Hello everyone and welcome to the final episode of Manage Engine's SIEM podcast series. I'm Sid and this is the fifth and final part of our podcast series. In this episode, Harish and I are co-hosting this podcast and the topic that we have gone with is Cybersecurity Cookbook, How to Ensure End-to-End Organizational Security. Hello everyone and Sid, hope you all are well. Uh, Thanks, Harish. Can't complain. All okay. So let's get started with this podcast with some a question that is obviously um, difficult to grasp around uh, very easily. Uh, But I'm going to put Harry on a spot here and ask him, uh, Harish, why is security important? Uh, Thanks, Sid, for putting me on the spot. Well, Well, the easiest way of driving home the message is So uh, I'm just going to give you a comparison or something that we can relate with because security has always been better understood when you start comparing. So let's imagine a room 200 by 200 and that room has only one door for entry and exit. So how easy it is to watch who's entering and leaving that room. Right. So now imagine the same room with multiple doors, windows used for entry and exit. Now, imagine how difficult it is to maintain security. Who walked in, walked out, uh, what did they do, and how long were they there, and their behavior, etc. Right? This is exactly what happens in Cyberland too. So more the endpoints, more possibility of security breaches, and that opens the importance of security for an organization. Well, that's a nice, interesting analogy. Um, uh, I especially like how you made that room become suddenly so complex to to grasp around. Um, And that is kind of what we've been discussing in this podcast series so far, right? We spoke about how we have so many data sources to monitor. Um, In episode two, we spoke about things like your um, Active Directory, of course, but also your network equipment, critical applications. And then in in episode three, Harry spoke about the cloud and how that creates a whole new set of uh, complexities in your security. So those of you right. who have watched those episodes, uh, do give that a listen. Uh, but we will uh, look at bringing together all of these concepts in this podcast. Perfect. So uh, Sid, uh, now you know, giving you back a question, which is something that many administrators have asked because everybody you know wants to get rich faster. Everybody wants to get secure faster. Every administrator's dream is getting their organization, you know, scaled up in terms of security. So in your opinion, how could an organization scale up security? Well, so we've spoken about different concepts about um, security and SIM in this podcast series. But I think what we started off in episode one that you did, um, speaking about Active Directory or your hybrid Active Directory setup, that would be the starting point in terms of starting that security program in an organization. And I'm not just saying this for small or medium-sized businesses who may not have some of the uh, you know, best Active Directory practices, but we recently came across a Fortune 500 company that was breached and the source of that breach was Active Directory. Right? So that is the starting point and that is what we spoke about in detail in episode one. So the second step would be to start monitoring 
Active Directory and some of the other critical resources in the network by bringing in log data into a central repository. Then the third step, and that is of course, episode three of the podcast was not forgetting that we have a lot of sensitive data, a lot of users on the cloud, and it becomes important to uh, watch what's happening at, at the cloud level and have proper security measures uh, to ensure uh, security of your cloud. And then we looked at, as we've already seen, how complex this entire cyberspace is. We need technologies to analyze large volumes of event data. And that was what we discussed in more detail in episode four. So of course, the idea of a general mantra for any organization might not be um, applicable because each organization is different. But I think some of the ideas that we've touched upon is a great way for organizations to start their security program and scale up from there, depending on their exact requirements. I'm just going to quickly add a point to what you said. So thanks for that. So uh, the basic uh, pointer or things to ponder is redo your permissions and privilege because least privilege is the key that holds the, you know, the epitome or the fulcrum of an organization, keep it as minimum as possible and rework on the privilege. Absolutely. I think sometimes the age old best practices are always the best. Um, so we talk a lot about cybersecurity, but ultimately what we are trying to achieve is the production of data, right? All these security measures, ultimately the aim of all of these measures is to protect the sensitive data in our organization. And there is data around us, data is everywhere. So Harish, why don't you give us some insights into how does one really understand data and why should one prevent their sensitive data from leaking and how can they go about that? Uh, of course, in just in one line, data is the hidden treasure. And why shouldn't you prevent data from leaking is you don't want to be ridiculed or you know embarrassed amidst your customers, your pride and uh, esteem of the company is gone. This is like breaking it down in just one line. But now let me address it in detail because a data is a secret, right? Or has a meaning to it. And else no one would be bothered to look into it. Just imagine a piece of paper, which is empty. Will anyone be bothered? Of course they would love to write, but nobody can own unless the data is written on it. So a data is a secret. So let's classify data uh, into three specific important segments. One is no value data, which has no value, but it still, but still consumes space. Two is business critical data. And three is redundant and obsolete data and trivial data, which is ROT, R-O-T. So there's a lot of misconception that comes around data is my company has no ROT. The reason why I'm picking on ROT is the redundant and obsolete data and trivial data is these data they need to exist at a part of compliance. They need to exist uh, for forensics. They need to exist for certain so on and so forth reasons. So in which place there's a lot of misconception around this rot and this is where things could go wrong because when you have to protect data for a longer period of time, the access comes into picture, the protection comes into picture and then eventually just, you know, by just by 
a small misconfiguration, someone getting access data stolen. So I'm going to address the common misconception around data, which is uh, a company does not have rot, which is redundant, obsolete, and trivial data, right? If, if you have a compliance manager or an auditor walking into your organization and running these uh, reports, you will be alarmed as to, you'll find out your users or you know, employees love storing data. They love storing their old data and everything, including to an email, photos, and any records. They just keep storing and accumulating it. So every company has the trivial data. So you need to protect them. And the second misconception is getting rid of rot makes somebody nervous, makes the administrator nervous because you're never going to get it back. I agree that is an important point, but you need to have a process in place. If that data does not cut your uh, stringent policies, it can be archived, it can be stored somewhere where nobody can access it un unless just one or two people. And the third most important misconception is my organization over the years has been performing really well. So I don't have to think about raw data. So that is a huge misconception because data gets accumulated by the second, by the minute, by the hour. So you need to be extra vigilant to ensure that it's just not your data. If you are a customer facing organization, your customer's data, that is raw gold inside your repository. So that is exactly why you should not let those data you know, leak and that and the technology behind that to prevent data from leaking is data loss prevention. And it is basically the process or a practice of detecting and preventing data, right, across organization. And organizations use DLP to protect and secure the data, right? And the reason could be for data leak or data loss is again can be classified into three or four segments. It could be insider threat, external attacks, negligence or unintentional data exposure. And this, one of the reasons or major reasons why organizations start delving into DLP, because it could be that they're going to protect their PII information, personal identifiable information, personal health information, uh, intellectual property, data visibility, and of course, uh, secure your environment, right? And at the at the end of the day, the areas to focus is when you send when when data is at rest, when you just store data, when data is in motion, when you transfer data, endpoints typically that is where the entry and exit points are, and then data classification telling you where what resides and especially who's got what access to what level, and segregating them and preventing them from copy pasting onto a thumb drive or to an OWA client that must be noted and the administrator should be notified. That was a long answer, but eventually that is, if you, if you start talking about data, we can go on and on, but that is to be precise on what people should touch. Okay, so we've touched upon data security um, obviously, the, the the area of data security is is huge, uh, but I hope this gives all of our listeners a rough idea of how they can start thinking about building measures for addressing some of these concerns. So let's now focus on a moment on external threats. There are so many new threats emerging every day. 
right? So every day you have new IPs, URLs, domains that are being uh, flagged as malicious on the internet. So how do we stay on top of these new threats and watch out for malicious communications? So here we have a technology called threat intelligence, wherein we are making use of this research information of the latest threats, which tends to be available as feeds. And we want to sync up those feeds with our SIM solution so that we can start monitoring our network for communications with these known malicious actors. So to put it very simply, if you know that there is a malicious domain and that domain is interacting with your network, you know, maybe a host is compromised and data is being sent to that callback server, which is known to be malicious, you can actually flag such an event then and there and take action to block and mitigate um, the incident, right? So this is something that is important to keep in mind. This is yet another technology that has a huge role to play um, in this day and age. And I thought I have to mention this um, as part of, you know, whether it's data security or cybersecurity, this know-how of the latest threats becomes really important. Perfect. Thanks, Sid, for that. So, yeah, I mean, so the threat intelligence sounds like a must-have technology in, in, in these days, right? And especially in this era. But, but obviously, let's, let's be honest, no security technology is, at, is, is a 100% guarantee, like 100% proof that one will never be breached or attacked. So we must be prepared to deal with getting breached. Uh, so, so, so tell us or tell, tell everyone how we would do that. Yeah, so and that's absolutely right. I think none of us have promised that any of these technologies guarantee um, cybersecurity. So it becomes important for an organization to be prepared that inevitably they are going to be breached someday and make sure that they have the, they are prepared and they have the response processes in place to investigate and mitigate a security incident. So what this means is you need to, it comes back to our logs. You need to have collected logs and maintain the audit trail for all of the different activities happening in your network so that if you realize today that a server was compromised two weeks ago, you can go back to the logs from two weeks ago and actually backtrack the entire incident and identify what was the root cause of the breach. And this has become an extremely important requirement of many regulations, including the GDPR, which require organizations that have been breached to report to the authorities that they have been breached along with relevant details of the breach. So it's important to keep this in mind. Uh, forensics is extremely important. You can hope for the best, but you obviously have to prepare for the worst. And that is what forensics is all about. So lots of new technologies are available these days for security teams to leverage, right? Right. So I'd like to um, talk about two main technologies in particular um, and how these are changing the way we do security monitoring and, and really apply to cybersecurity at large. One of them is AI, or rather the machine learning aspects of AI, which we spoke about in episode four, where we talked about how UEBA or user and entity behavior analytics 
is able to use these machine learning algorithms to help you see things that you might have missed otherwise and help you detect anomalies that are happening in the network. The second technology is automation, which basically means that some of the tasks that might take a long time for, a, for an administrator to perform can instead simply be automated so that those response actions can be done without human intervention. So for example, if you have a specific kind of um, ransomware infection um, happening in your, um, in, on one of your machines, you can automate certain mechanisms to you know, uh, quarantine the machine. Uh, it could be anything else. It could also be other kinds of malware or attacks, but there might be certain kinds of steps that any administrator might take. And these steps are typically predictable. So why not have the machine automate those tasks for you so that when you as an administrator get in on the scene, the first level of response is done and that has saved you a lot of time and helps you reduce the time it takes to respond to a security incident. So I think those two technologies are really important to keep in mind, but the final thing that we want to discuss, and, and Harish is going to answer this, it's a long question, but a much needed one. We've spoken about so many different concepts that it can almost be very hard to keep track of everything. But finally, Harry, to conclude this podcast, can you just break down the world of SIM? Uh, what are the key capabilities that we must look for in a SIM solution? break down some of the misconceptions that SIM solutions are only for the big, uh, large enterprises, government organizations and banks. And what does a SIM require in order to be deployed successfully? So over to you, Harry. Uh, thanks, it's just like a deja vu feeling. I just got off on a call uh, with, with one of the customers. And of course, this was the last bit that I had to address. And surprisingly, this is, a question that you are posing. So, you know, a quick deja vu for you for me. So keeping it to the point, addressing the requirement of a SIM is the first four podcasts that we have done in this team. Uh, and I would encourage all of you all to listen because we've done, we've approached it uh, with, with platform specific you know, problems, how you could deal with hybrid active directory and then SID went across and did uh, the importance and fundamentals of SIM, and then I moved into cloud computing, and then Sid again came back. How you could handle large volume of data through technologies. So, and the last bit today that we are doing is to help you understand how SIM can play a crucial part in your organization. So, breaking it down, security, incident, event management is a combination of log management. Uh, that's the first big step. And some even confuse log management solutions in SIEM. Uh, agreed log management is the first big step, but it isn't enough. And it does not strengthen your cybersecurity posture. Although it is essential to ensure regulatory compliance, but it does not satisfy the SIM condition. That is one of the must-have features, the log management, bringing all of the logs under one roof. But the very important thing is 
the scope it can address. The same, it can go into compliance, it can deal with threat intelligence. And as talking about threat intelligence, you know, the third episode, which I did, does talk about the cloud computing and the top threats that could happen in any of your cloud segments. So please do uh, listen to that if you haven't. And in case you have, now what I'm about to break down will make uh, a lot of meaning, right? And correlation, integral forensics, and user behavior analytics, and putting all of this together and connecting the dots, right? So among, among the most pertinent uh, SIEM uh, question is what Sid just mentioned. Back in the days, only the enterprise organizations needed an SIEM, but now with the shifting tides, so things are changing. Now, every organization needs a SIM solution to connect the dots, identify what is happening. And of course, with the shifting cybersecurity paradigm, so rapidly SMBs and of course, uh, any organization would definitely require an SIEM, right? So, uh, however, however, a SIM just does not work all by itself. Uh, a SIM uh, is, is like a baby, you've got to feed it and you got to see it grow. So it is important for the decision makers around IT security and administration to investigate different SIM solutions to make sure that the capabilities fit uh, for, for the respective enterprises or their small medium businesses. And some SIM solutions may prove suitable to your industry based on business size. But please do ensure that all of the points we have addressed are being addressed by your SIM solution and the requirement for deployment is a SIM values is, is seen when one gives it attention. Like this does sound a bit different, but this is how I'm going to portray it. As much as attention you give a SIM solution, it is going to give data in a more organized, connected manner, right? So it, it, it always, there's always two ways with a SIM solution. 50% is from uh, the service about from the tool, it will help you with uh, bringing everything together. But the remaining, the other half is based on the IT security team or the system administrator team and their participation. So this is together will have a successful SIM solution. And of course, SIM requires good correlation rules for its security alerts uh, and your IT security team must monitor and update these correlation rules on a regular basis. Please do bear in mind that the requirements keep changing and the solution must be able to adapt itself. And you should, you should, you should be having ready-made templates to just enable them at a go and you should be able to uh, edit them as well. So additionally, your, your SIM solution must integrate with other cybersecurity solutions and course, integration issues could, could result in greater cost and security holes. So please ensure that it is connected to your entire ecosystem. Okay, thank you, Harry, for breaking all that down for us. Um, I hope everyone tuning in found this podcast and this podcast series um, enlightening. Uh, you can always reach out to us if you want to know more. Thank you so much for joining us and we hope you continue to um, attend more such um, engagements from Manage Engine. Thanks, Sid. And of course, my pleasure. It's our pleasure. and glad we were able to do this. And thanks again, everyone. And we encourage you all to listen to all the episode. 
to ensure that you don't miss the continuity leading to a concrete SIEM strategy, S-I-E-M strategy. So until next time, ciao.